Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Uh, Coulter, the Montana Grizzlies. And the Weber State Wildcats are uh, playing on Saturday. Top five matchup. Montana number five. Weber State number three. Weber State, the lone undefeated team in the Big Sky Conference in terms of conference play. They're a, a, a one-loss team on the season. Uh, but when you look at this game, you said off the top, you think this is a huge game for Montana, bigger than maybe what even everybody's kind of looking at it as. You think there's an opportunity to exercise some demons and to to sort of break through, break the glass ceiling, as it were, back to a level of where Montana was before that has been a long time since they have been at that level. Where are you at with this with this game specifically on Saturday and what it could mean to the University of Montana? Great staff from Riley Corker today. He posted on Twitter and then I actually ran into him down at Warden's Market. It's become a little... Uh, Grizz Athletic Department tradition to go get the meatloaf at Warden's on Thursday. Mm. So, free plug for Tim France and the boys down at Warden's because I know he's listening to the show today. He, uh, when you say that, you ruin it. You just got to do it and then move on, you know? And then you go down well, then and you, you give him a hug. you say this and you ruin it even worse. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm never coming back after Cat Grizz. Good. Riley will be great co-host for you, though. Uh, he Cor- will. Corcoran said, uh, <laughs> yeah, I should be careful what I wish for him. I can't replace. He's going to be the Nugent and Corcoran show here in a minute. Uh, Riley found a great stat. The last time that two top five teams played a regular season matchup at Washington Grizzly Stadium it was 1994. And uh, I can't remember what the specific rankings were, but Montana was actually the lower ranked team mm. between Montana and the Idaho Vandals. My, how the Vandals have fallen. But Dave Dickinson threw for 510 yards in a Grizz victory. But that was 1994. I mean, we're talking 25 years ago before we had a top five matchup. If that's not enough for you to fill up that stadium, 
people in Missoula. Let's right. go. Right. I mean, get it together. Weaver State's going to be a great matchup, but what does this showdown mean? Even Bobby Houck, who is unwaveringly and insanely confident of a person and a guy who preached how good he thought his team was going to be from the very first day of the offseason all the way through the very first day of fall camp, and he hasn't stopped. He said it over and over again, and he hasn't wavered from why he loves his team. He said, these guys don't panic during games. They play hard from start to finish. They've altered their mindset in learning how to finish games. They know how to make adjustments on the fly, and they're just playing tough. And I think that that all is true. But even even Coach Houck has admitted that they're about a year ahead of where he thought they were mm-hmm. going to be. I think part of that's because of the buy-in. I think that one of our biggest questions when Coach Houck came back was how was a, a program that has been run for not just one, but actually three different head coaches, from Robin Flugrad to Mick Delaney to Bob Stitt, like a players program, like a like a family program, like a, we're out here having fun playing with our brothers, and that that's all. It's a great it's a great philosophy if you want to enact it. How is that program going to transition though to a general, a demanding coach, a guy who you are in order, you are executing, you are doing your job, your job is up for grabs every day. There is no friendships, there is no. This is coaches and players, and that's all. How are they going to react? I think the fact is that first of all, they've had seventy four new players add to the roster in two years. So it is a Bobby Houck team by and large in personnel and in culture. But also the guys that stuck around, I mean, we're about to hear from Josh Sandry, who's like, man, I want to play for the Grizz my whole life. I didn't care right. the coach was. And then Bobby Houck came back, this is for me. This is all about me. But what what is the opportunity at hand here for Montana? I think what Bobby Houck said when he first took the job, he said the only thing that's different about the Big Sky Conference is the Montana Grizzlies are not on top. That sounded like a brash and arrogant statement when he made it. And we talked extensively about how the Grizz might have egg on their face and Bobby Houck might have egg on his face when he has to play Southern Utah and North Dakota for the first time. It hasn't been the case. Last year, they imploded down the stretch and they beat themselves a lot, but it hasn't necessarily been when they've played an elite team in the Big Sky, they've gotten smacked in the face. If that could be the case on Saturday, and it could not, and it's going to be a very, very defining game for Montana. If they handle Weaver State... The rise is real. You've asked me, have they returned to dominance? I've said, no, not yet. But they're taking a gigantic step on the ascendance to returning to dominance if they win. But on the flip side of that, if Weber State just physically dominates them and whips their butts, that's going to be detrimental to the progress that they've made. So I think this is the absolute pinnacle game so far in Bobby Houck's return to Montana. And what if it's dead even? What if what if these are two you know the the unstoppable force and the immovable object? Would that mean also? I mean, you're talking about the number three and five teams in the nation. Presumably, that's dominant, and you're proving that you both belong in that in that realm in that category. Well, it's in Missoula, Montana, so I think that that gives Montana an advantage in that scenario. Mm-hmm. I also think that why has Weber State won 20 of its last 21 Big Sky Conference games? 28 out of its last 32 because they win close games more often than not. Playing Weber State close is not like playing North Dakota State close. That shows you the gap between the number one and the number three team. North Dakota just lost to Weber State by a field goal last week. And Weber State has won multiple games by one score this right. year. It's not as if they're NDSU when they're 40-point favorites every week and they're blowing teams out. So close games are not atypical to them. But if that scenario that you just described plays out, that's going to be awesome for, I think, everybody involved because you're going to get to see, in my mind, the two best in-game coaches in the league. Jay Hill, Bobby Houck, matching wits down the stretch. Who can out coach who? Who can out execute who? 
if it is a slugfest like you're saying, that's going to be one of the main storylines to watch. By the way, just to be clear, I said that we were saying it's a one-loss team. They're a two-loss team. Both of those two FBS schools, they lost 6-0 in the first game of the year to San Diego State, and then they lost 19-13 to Nevada in the third week of the season. So they, they uh, uh, lost by six points to two FBS teams. They are 8-0 and against FCS opponents. But, as you said, some of those have been very close. I mean, Southern Utah, who looked as bad as a team can look against Montana State, they won 29-14. I mean, okay, but nothing like you would expect if the gap is what we think that it might be. A six-point win over Idaho, and last week, losing in the fourth quarter to North Dakota, coming back and getting that win by three, 30-27. But doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you do do it, if you're Weber State, again, Jay Hill going to join us in just about 20 minutes from now. You mentioned we hear from Josh Sandry. Let's go ahead and do that. He was asked initially by you about playing in his last games as a senior and what it's like because he's seen a lot. Here's a little interview with Colton Nuanas and the Grizz senior safety. It's an incredible feeling. Um, time flies. Um, it's cra- crazy to be standing here talking to you in my uh, fifth uh, season, but uh, just had a bunch of fun with all these guys. The guys that are the fifth-year seniors, you guys' journey has been so interesting. Mm-hmm. Multiple coaching staffs, multiple ebbs and flows trying to get this thing back. So what's been the biggest challenges you think you guys have faced as a collective group? Yeah, no, uh, I think our senior group is pretty special. Um, just talk about a bunch of guys that have uh, been through so, so many highs and so many lows together um, through things like different coaching staffs and and uh, big wins, big losses, and uh, you know I think uh, you can you can see it right now. All the hard work over the years is just kind of finally coming together, and uh, we're just enjoying this last little ride. Growing up at Big Fork, I'm sure you followed the Grizz, right? Oh yeah. And in those days, the Grizz were dominant. So to go through a period where Montana maybe wasn't up to the standard that had been set. What was that like, but also how motivating has that been for you guys to get it back to that standard? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, this place has such a special culture and uh, such a great winning tradition. Obviously, with those uh, early 2000s teams that uh, Coach Howe coached in and, and Coach Shan played in. Um, you know, we uh, I grew up, you know, watching those guys play, and it's always been a dream of mine to come here and be as dominant as uh, those guys were. Uh, obviously, it hasn't happened, but uh, we got some pretty good things rolling right now, so... I heard Coach Schillinger breaking the guys down there, and he said, you know, it's going to take full 60 minutes to knock these guys out. And that's what Weaver State was when Shan was playing, you know, all yeah. about the physicality. How much are you guys looking forward to this game? Yeah, oh, man, these are the kind of games you, uh, you, uh, um, you know, come here to play in. Uh, you know, they're a great, great opponent. Uh, they're coached well, got great players. They're physical. Um, it's going to be a heavyweight uh, fight. As this thing winds down, what have you learned from this experience playing for the Grizz? Oh man, I've learned uh, I've learned a lot, a lot of life lessons. Um, but uh, you know, it's just been such a special uh, five years for me. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better group to to uh, be on this journey with. I'm so happy for uh, my time here. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed, I do. So I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money. And it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick and mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online 
all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. So there you go, Josh Sandry talking with Coulter uh, after practice yesterday. And, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, a guy with a lot of perspective, a fifth-year senior, three different coaches since he's been here, and, and, a, and a whole different kind of deal with it. Coulter, you also had a chance to talk to a couple of offensive linemen. How happy were you huh, to go in there and talk to the big guys? I mean, this is, you're just like floating on air. <laughs> well, you know, it's twofold. I mean... I'm a former offensive lineman. I watched the game through line play, but also I think it's the most underrated part of football. I don't know how it's possible. Because everybody that knows football knows. I don't think it's underrated. I think it's just under-reported. It's under-analyzed. Under- yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. But like we, we talk about the NFL ad nauseum, and everybody wants to talk about the quarterback this, the quarterback that. If you look at all the – I mean, why did the Rams make a huge – why did the Rams go to Super Bowl last year? It has nothing to do with Jared Goff. It has everything to do with Jared Goff being able to operate because the Rams were extremely good on the offensive front. Mm-hmm. How has Weber State gotten so much better? How has Montana gotten so much better? The offensive line, man. But Angel Villanueva, Cy Sermon, who we're about to hear from here, I guess go back and forth. You can kind of hear their voices. Uh, Angel comes from Southern California from a Hispanic background, so you can hear a little bit of an accent there if you ever get confused as to what you're listening to. But it's also the other side of the the deal here is that uh, any good journalist knows that the offensive linemen are always the best Quotes on the team. Listen to that. That is just like a little self compliment, no, right there, it, wasn't it? It's, it's yes. the truth, though, because it's <laughs> you know, because uh, uh, it's like it's like it's like Brian Armstrong, offensive line coach in Montana State. Actually, Chad Germer has told me this as well. Being an offensive lineman is not just about being a big, portly dude. You have to be an unselfish person. You have to be a team player. You have to buy into the concept of football is the greatest team sport. Why would you ever want to be an offensive lineman unless you love the team aspect of it? You're getting brutalized 100%. worse than anybody That's else right. on the field. you yep. got to go against the biggest freak athletes on the field in the defensive lineman. You don't get any glory. It's like I asked Mitch Brott, Montana State left tackle, earlier today, what's your streak of consecutive starts? I said 46. He knows 100%. Mm-hmm. I said, why do you know that, Mitch? He says, because it's the only stat I've ever gotten to accrue in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the truth. But these guys are great guys, and you talk about great stories. I mean, Angel Villanueva comes here from a completely disadvantaged background. His house burned down when he was in high school. He was left homeless for a little while. Uh, when he came here, he was a stud recruit. He started as a redshirt freshman on an offensive line with all seniors. He lost his physical conditioning. He lost his way. There was a coaching change. He got really out of shape. He hurt his back because he was out of shape. And then this year, he's finishing so strong, man. He lost 40 pounds. He re-won his starting job back. It's like Cy Sermon told me earlier this year. If you're going to make a 30 for 30 about anybody on the team, Angel Villanueva is a guy to make the 30 for 30 about. Meanwhile, Cy Sermon comes to Montana as a three-star linebacker out of Wenatchee High School. He's got rich football lineage. Grandfather played at UW. Dad and uncles played in various Big Sky schools. His cousin is a quarterback for the Washington Huskies. And he comes here thinking he's going to be the next star linebacker. Well, he gets moved from outside linebacker to inside linebacker, inside linebacker to defensive end, defensive end to defensive tackle. And when Bobby Houck got here, he said, Cy, we got to get you on the field, but we need your help. Will you sell out for us and play offensive line? And Cy Sermon said, sure, coach, I will. And here now he is. He's going to start his 21st straight game on Saturday. 
the most unlikely offensive lineman you could ever imagine. He's playing really well at center. So these guys, they got great stories, and they're great kids. And I think that the guys that made it to their fifth years, given what's gone on at Montana football, they're going to have a lot of tales to tell someday, including these two young men. Well, it's a very humbling experience. I think, obviously, me and Sai's career has been a lot of highs and lows, so it's. I think I'm really proud of the, the work that we put in. There's still a lot more to accomplish, so I'm just glad that we're, we're still playing. You know, the games I remember are played in November, so, yeah. Can you believe it's almost over? It's surreal. And, you know, we, we, we approach each day with just a, you know, accomplish the next task type mindset, so they kind of blur in together, and you never really – Look at it. You know, take a step back and look, and it—it's it, really flying. And I don't want to—I don't want to acknowledge that it's almost over, but we just got to make the most of what we have left. What have been some of the biggest challenges you faced so far, Angel? Just in terms of trying to get this thing back on track and, and trying to get the offensive line back to where you know Montana has always been. I think every season personally has its challenges. So every—it's not necessarily one challenge that I remember facing. It's a, a like a. How we say a sum of challenges that we've all experienced as a team, and I think our attitude and our pursuit has direct us, directed us in the, in the right direction. Facing that adversity, being able to play through that adversity, through that toughness, what we go through on a daily basis in the off season these past four or five years, you know, I think really has trained us, you know, to to in, to be in this position to take on those challenges head on and uh, make the most of you know the circumstances. And yeah, so what motivates you to keep taking those challenges head on? Winning, yeah, <laughs> you know that's what it's all about. You know that's that's, that's why we do this. We want to win. You know that's the point of playing football. Everyone here, you know, is a competitive person by nature. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here. So uh, that's why we come in here every day, and, and that's why, you know, I feel like we're getting some results this year. Is is because <laughs> last year, you know, like that, right. that was not fun, right? You know, so you, all off season, you got that fire burning. You know, yeah. what are we going to do to make sure? That never happens again. To make sure we, you know, make the most out of this coming season, and that right there was was my motivation. You know, how are we going to right the wrong and you know do this uh, do this right? It's impossible to ignore the winning tradition around here. Holding the, the the rope and maintaining that standard, how important is that to you? Well, it's everything. Like you said, that that's what this university is about. This program is about. It's about winning, bringing guys to the next level. You know, a championship mindset, not even just on the field, but in the classroom and as a person, as an individual. So just upholding that standard, it's a great honor, and it's a, it's a privilege to be able to wear this jersey. It's not a right. And so I think that's the most important thing that I think a lot of us understand, you know, that, that this is a privilege to wear this jersey. And so we approach every day with such an attitude that, you know, that honors that tradition in the past, you know, and, and, and hopefully – Sets it up for the future. What do you initially think just about this matchup with Weber State? I mean, this is what you what you sign up for to be a Grizz. You know, games like this, big time showdowns with a lot on the line and in front of twenty five or twenty six thousand rabid fans. You know, that, that's what it's about. That's why we all signed up. So, you know, I'm excited for it. You know, I'm excited for every game. But you know, it's, it's cool to be in a position where, you know, you got something, you got something to play for, and you know, we're all really fortunate that. Uh, we put in the work to get here, and, and I think work continues. You know, they're a good team, so we got to, you know, keep keep prepping because it's going to be a good game. Sermon Angel Villanueva, the offensive line, what forty percent of the offensive line for, for the seniors. Montana Grizzlies. That's right. Uh, excellent work there. Fun to hear from both of those guys. Why is this fun? Why do you stick it out? Winning. Pretty good answer. 
if you're asking me. So, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's not just because you can eat as much as you want all the time. It's for it's it's for the dubs. Okay, I'm into it. It's a completely different dynamic for guys who came to play for the Grizz than almost any other team in the league because you could never have predicted that Montana would ever miss the playoffs three years in a row. There's no way that you could have said to any of these guys, you're going to come here and not make the playoffs in your career. Like the guys yeah. who are true seniors, they haven't made the playoffs before. That has not happened for any Grizz player since the late 1980s, where they've gone a full four-year stretch without making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So I do think that winning becomes contagious. Learning how to win becomes widespread amongst the team, and I think that these guys have turned a corner. We'll see if they can continue it, but I mean, I've been going to these practices for the last couple of years since I moved back to Missoula, and I was around the program, at least on a tertiary level, for it, most of the time with Mick Delaney and, and Bob Stitt, and it it just feels different. Yeah, it does. And it's because of Coach Houck. And everybody wants to know why is he such a, a great coach. It's, it's because of the program. It's because of the developmental nature of the program. But it's also because of the, just the unwavering expectation of excellence. And it's, it cannot be understated. Bobby Houck has said multiple times this week, this is senior day. Great. We have no plans on being done playing football anytime soon. Totally. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colton Waters. I guess evening. We've jumped, we've moved time. Nonetheless, here's some sports news for you. Wednesday marked National Signing Day and the opening of the early national signing period for men's and women's basketball, volleyball, soccer, and softball. Raleigh Wooster, the reigning Montana Gatorades Basketball Player of the Year, officially signed with the Utah State Aggies Wednesday. The Hellgate senior averaged 22.2 points a game, 5.9 rebounds, and 4 assists last season to lead the Knights to a runner-up finish in the Class AA State Tournament. Hellgate loss on a buzzer beater in overtime to Bozeman. The 6'3", 205-pounder verbally committed to Montana following his freshman year but rescinded that commitment this past summer. The Montana State women's basketball team signed six players Wednesday including a pair of players with Lady Grizz roots. Lexi Deaton, who's a Missoula Sentinel senior, whose mother Don Siliker played at Montana, signed with the Bobcats as did Leah Beatty, the daughter of former Lady Grizz standout Kelly Pilcher. 
And the all-class volleyball tournament begins in Bozeman Thursday, one of the great sporting events of the year in the state of Montana. Sentinel won the Class AA state title in 2016 and 17, but they, they lost earlier today in straight sets. Is that right, Coulter? How, the Sentinel Spartans they volleyball did, yes, team? they lost in three straight sets to uh, Billings West. Billings Central is in search of a three-peat. Class B Huntley Project, they've won 11 of the last 13 at the Class B level. And Class C Belt is looking for their third and four seasons. That's one of the, my favorite music intros right there. Love it. Sue Tell and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Be joined by Jay Hill, the head coach of the Weber State Wildcats football team. Weber State coming to Missoula on Wednesday, for, or excuse me, on Saturday for a top three matchup. One of the, well, the biggest game in the FCS in the country uh, this particular weekend. It's Sue Tell and Nuanas broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula. It is their 7th annual snow day on Saturday, December 7th, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., one day only, the biggest sale of the year. So get into Kurtz Polaris and uh, and, uh, and save a bunch of money, get everybody ticked off of your Christmas list. Not ticked off, you understand, tick off the box, that's what I'm getting Checked at. off. That's what, yeah, there you go, checked off, better way to say it. Uh, Coulter, when we get, uh, Jay Hill's going to join us here in just a couple of minutes, so we'll get to him uh, as soon as he's available. But when you look at this game, we talked about this game from a sort of a program trajectory standpoint in the last segment. I spent a lot of time, you know, what what does this game mean for Montana specifically and so forth and so on. But when you look on the field and you look at what Weber State does well, what Montana does well, just quickly, a couple quick hitters, what do you see? What do you think about the matchup football-wise? Well, first of all, I think we got to give Coach Hill credit. I can't wait to talk to him just about this element of it. But last season was we were supposed to be Weaver State's season. And they had a great season. They won the Big Sky Conference. They went to the playoffs. But then it came to an abrupt end after they beat SEMO, Southeast Missouri State, in the playoffs. Then they ran to a brick wall in the main Black Bears. And they lost that game in Ogden. Right. And it was sort of an unceremonious end to an otherwise stellar year. But that team featured three first-team All-League players in the secondary, two first-team All-League linebackers, uh, an NFL offensive lineman, and in Asua a, a Opeta. I mean, they still return a lot of their skill guys this year, but the defense was as... St- I mean, I have never... I've covered the biggest guy for 13 years. I've never seen a, de- a defense had eight first-team All-League players on it. Never. Yeah. And, th- and they... <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a little more than your fair share at some oh, point. That's what I'm saying. Like, is that even justifiable? Like, and two of those guys did return, Adam Rodriguez and Jonah Williams, who are right. both senior defensive ends on this team. But you got eight all-league guys, including six seniors, and then you have a multiple all-league guys on your offensive line that are seniors as well. I mean, that's that's your year. So the fact that Weber State is number three in the country right now, despite losing all that, is a mm-hmm. testament to the program. Mm-hmm. But as far as what we're going to see... Weber State, Adam Rodriguez has been a little banged up. He was a first-team All-League guy at DN last year. He's been a little banged up. But they've rolled their defensive line as much as anybody in the entire conference. They play eight or nine guys up front defensively, and there's no real drop-off between them. I mean, the best testament to it is Adam Rodriguez first got hurt right before the Idaho game. He did not play in the Idaho game. 
George Tarlis got his first career start. He had two strip sack fumbles and was the defensive player of the week in the conference. In his first career start. Subbing in for the arguably best strong end in the league. I mean, that's what how, that's where their depth is at. The guy who's right. next is just as good. So I think Jonah Williams, George Tarlis, and Adam Rodriguez are going to be three of the most physically imposing linemen the Grizz have faced. So that's going to be a key battle to me. Weber's defensive front versus Montana's offensive line. Have they improved at the level that you'd hoped they've improved at if you're Montana? And on the other side, how does Weber State fly to the football? On the other side of the ball... How does Jake Constantine handle the atmosphere? Weber State's quarterback. Is Josh Davis available or not? He went down with what looked like a head injury last week against North Dakota. Uh, so I think that there's uh, the way Weber State operates on offense, they get big chunk plays. They use their receivers as big play guys. Mm-hmm. Rashid Shahid, Devin Cooley. Those guys are not going to be, you know, the eight catches for 88 yards type of guys. They're not like Jeff Cotton where you force feed him the ball. These guys are like three catches for 120 yards, including a 65-yard touchdown. Right, They're going to get big chunk plays. But Weber also, when they have the ball, it's funny because they have such a uh, reputation as a physical downhill run team, but they run most of their stuff out of the, the gun spread. They just run a lot of single back stuff. But they almost always play two tight ends, and they move those guys around, and they confuse you pre-snap with all that. So the chaos that Montana runs defensively... Is met with some of fire-on-fire fire kind exactly. of deal. Right? And so it, it could be huge advantage either way because Montana's defense sometimes they get out of gaps and they give up big plays yeah but on the other side sometimes they light you up Weber State if Montana is not succumbing to the motions Montana's defense can light you up as well here's the thing that you we've been talking about the Grizz statistics defensively yeah when you really think about it, the Chris have, that Idaho drive last week, that 10-play, 97-yard drive, that was one of the only long-scoring drives the Grizz have given up this whole year. Right. It's been big plays, chunk plays. Even in that Sac State game, three of those five touchdowns in the first half were 40-plus-yard touchdowns. It's hard to sustain a drive against Montana because if they can get you into a third and five or longer, they're going to light you up. And that's going to be a key matchup to watch as well. You know, you talked about the the... We we touched on this earlier, and of course we just heard from a couple of offensive linemen uh, for Montana, Cy Sermon and Angel Villanueva, in that last segment. And they are significantly improved. You talked about the the regression and then the renewed progression that Angel Villanueva has made over his career, and he's finishing very very strong. The switching the size of the ball and still learning, but obviously coming along that Cy Sermon is the introduction of Moses Mallory into that uh, lineup uh, as a transfer player and all that. They are much, much better, no question, than what they were a year ago. But again, being better and being up to the task of going up against probably the dominant defensive line, maybe along with Montana State, I don't know, wherever, however, Sacramento State I know is in there as well. But the point being is that they're they're that good. Can can they stand up to that? Here's Here's the difference. I think that's a great comparison. But comparing and contrasting those three, Sac State has an undersized but incredibly strong and athletic defensive line. Darian Chote mm-hmm. and George Obina mm-hmm. are, I mean, Darian, Darian Chote is 6'2", 270, and he's the best defensive tackle in the Big Sky right. Conference. George Obina is 6'2", 235, 240, but his motor is unbelievable. He comes off the edge crazy, and you look at Montana State, they got they got length and athleticism. Armandre Williams and Bryce Circa are both long and lean, and get off the ball. Derek Marks is kind of similar to Chote, where he is um, an undersized guy that really uses his hands well, and it doesn't matter these undersized played on the interior of the defensive right. line. But then you look at Weber State, 
They're just bricks. They're just brick walls. And Jonah Williams, I mean, you saw Jonah Williams at the Big Sky kickoff. Yes, I did. We ate lunch together. I kind of... I, I normally I'm the one that everybody's kind of watching at the buffet table. I looked like a snacker when Jonah Williams I mean, sat the down. The guy at looks the lunch like he's table. wearing pads. Yeah, yeah. He's he's six six, two hundred eighty five pounds. He's no, and he's he's and he's he, lean and he's lean. Yeah, yeah. The first time my brother ever saw him when he was a sophomore, my brother said, "Well." Uh, where did they get that guy? How did that guy end up at Weber State? He actually hasn't produced no, no shot on him. I mean, he's he's been a two-time All-League player. But That's for losers. Exactly. But, I mean, when you look at him, the fact that he's got – he had seven and a half career sacks coming into this year. He's got six and a half sacks this year. So he's got 14 total sacks, which is a, an adequate number. But that compared to what he looks like, well, he yeah. looks like Superman. So uh, it, it's that is going to be a really compelling matchup to me because Weber State – it's, it's not just the athletes, it's the depth. They just come at you in waves and they wear you out. Um, couple things quickly. So it looks like practice may be running a little long uh, in Ogden, and so we will we'll see if we can get, we will hope to get Jay Hill uh, on the other side of this break uh, and talk to him for a couple minutes at least if we're able to do that. Uh, so we'll continue to effort him. Wanted to let you know real quick, uh, the winner of our uh, Grizz ticket giveaway at All Day Grizz. At All Day Grizz, the big winner. So congratulations there. Thanks for sending in the pictures. Some really good pictures at Joe K 406 and at MT GrizzFan37. Uh, all uh, contributing to the, we're in the finalists, uh, final categories uh, for us on this thing. So it was fun to do. We appreciate that and uh, and uh, had a lot of fun on the social medias. At 1029 and at uh, or at ES, 1029 ESPN, excuse me, on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Take a quick break. We'll come back. If we can get Jay Hill, we certainly will, but we also got a bunch of stuff to get to. Thursday night football forthcoming. Is this the first game I'm finally going to get to watch in 4K? I'm, I'm, I'm overly excited about this, like stupidly so. We'll see. I'll, I'll report back to you tomorrow. We'll talk about it. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. This is not a great matchup, I realize. A 5-4 and a four team versus a 3-6 and six team. I... I feel like it's Christmas Day. It's Two Tell Nuanas broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula. If uh, you needed some Christmas presents, and probably you do because that's the way it goes, December 7th is a Saturday, one day only at Kurtz Polaris, the biggest sale of the entire year. It's their seventh annual snow day, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Kurtz Polaris, be there. Get everything you need in one fell soup. It's just that simple. If you missed anything in the show today, check it out on the podcast. Podcast available wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to the Tutel and Nuwana's podcast. The podcast available all the time, and it's there. Thanks 
to the Wingate by Wyndham <laughs> Hotel. Uh, also, want to let you know, the new FCS Speculators podcast is out. Episode 8 has been produced, woven together by our esteemed colleague David Graff making it happen back there on that deal so uh, we appreciate him very much getting that thing done and out to you so go listen to it and enjoy it and uh, and we'll appreciate it. Coulter tonight Pittsburgh Steelers are are you ready for this? Is this surprising to you? A three point underdog on their way to the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns a favorite in this game. The Steelers five and four it looked like it was going to be a four-win season at best for Pittsburgh when Ben Roethlisberger went down. They lost their first three games of the season. Then they beat the Bengals, and you know what? Nobody cares because everybody does. They were then four, a one and four after that. But they have won their last, count them up, Coulter, four straight games, Chargers, Dolphins, Colts, Rams, not exactly murderer's row, but not also awful either, especially if you talk about the Colts and maybe the Rams as well. Very impressed. You know, Mike Tomlin just I, I I don't understand why people aren't aren't more on Mike Tomlin. I know that you, we've talked about this a lot because you have all of the fallout with Antonio Brown, everything that happened with Le'Veon Bell, how much of that falls at the feet of Mike Tomlin. I don't know. There's a couple ways to look at this. Yeah, it went badly, and they actually underperformed, and usually that goes to the head coach. I think there's a general manager to implicate in some of this stuff as well. And also, if you wanted to spin it in the positive side, how did Mike Tomlin keep it together with those two guys along with everybody else? And by the way, Ben Roethlisberger, no picnic from what I understand in that regard. He's the one who kind of got kept this thing afloat for this long to get them to perform the way they have. Now those guys are gone. Does doesn't even have his quarterback playing. They've won four in a row, and they look like a, you know, I wouldn't say a really good football team, but a competitive, obviously, football team. And frankly, if you want to just talk numerology, a team that's very much alive in a lot of respects where they were buried a month ago. I'm, I'm amazed at that, and I, I tip my cap to Mike Tomlin on this so far this year. It's impressive to me. Go the other way. It's fine. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I, I think that I see both sides of it. I think that the Steelers are one of the most stable organizations in all of pro sports, or at least they were. Yeah. And I think that that then gives you an entrenched advantage over almost everybody else in the NFL because what do we know about the NFL? Almost, almost everybody else is completely unstable, and the quote-unquote stable organizations, including... The Cincinnati Bengals, who've been actually stable in terms of their front office and stuff like that, have right. just been straight up consistently mediocre. Most of the other stable organizations, with the exception of the New England Patriots, have won at such high levels. I, I think that, on one hand, I agree. Mike Tomlin did keep it together a little bit with those guys. He also didn't win hardly anything with those guys, and it was one of the great offensive three-headed monsters in the last decade in the NFL. They got nothing to show for it. So, I don't know. When you're the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you need to win a Super Bowl every 8 to 10 years. Especially when you have a great set of players like he had. And he didn't. How many many Super Bowls have the Steelers won ever? Six? Six. Okay. Four of them in a row, right? Or four and five years, whatever, the 70s. I guess I should rephrase. Not win one, but you need to at least be in the Super Bowl or be in the AFC Championship game. Did that? Did Ben Roethlisberger play? With, so when he had Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, did they ever make it to even a conference title game? Oh, yeah. 
they went and they got blown out at one least time, once right? by the uh, uh, by the New England Patriots uh, and get in line there because everybody has. But they also, I mean, they, Mike Tomlin has won a Super Bowl. Okay, I mean, he, he did not just go, but won the thing early on in his career. Uh, you know, earlier in his career, shortly after Cower uh, retired. I don't remember exactly what year was that they went in and won that thing. Was that the Arizona over the Arizona Cardinals that they won, or Bill, was it after? Right after Bill Cowher retired, is that what you're saying? No, it was like yeah, two years after that. It was with Mike you know, Ben Roethlisberger again. First Super Bowl. Is that what you're referring to Mike yeah. Tomlin's first Super Bowl? His first and only Super Bowl, right? No, they've won two. Bill Cowher. No, he's won two. He won. He won it in his second year, and then his. They won the Super Bowl in his second year, 2008, and then they won it. Uh, no, you're right. They've only won one. Yeah, because Cower won, won, won one against the Seahawks, and then the next year, it was a tough year, and that was it for Cower, and he retired. And then Tomlin came in, and he won one. But he won one, and they've they've but they've been very competitive and really, really good. And yeah, okay, so you haven't, you know, won a Super Bowl with Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. You know what? I can show you a lot of teams that haven't won a Super Bowl and have had a lot less wins in general with that same sort of talent. Yeah, but not the same level of expectation or stability. That's what I'm saying. You're the Steelers. Mm. They lost to the Packers. That's who they lost to. So two Super Bowl I, I guess what I'm saying is that two Super Bowl appearances in a lot of places is good enough. And in Pittsburgh, it's it's not. I mean, clearly it is. He's still the head coach, and he's. They have never fired a coach. They've never fired a coach. Right. They don't know how to fire a coach. That's right. And he might be the first one that gets fired. That's the picture of stability, though. I mean, that's what they do. I know. I guess my point. I'm not making my point very well. Is Mike Tomlin a good coach, or has Mike Tomlin just been a good coach at times because he's the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's what I'm saying. I mean. Was Bill Cowher ever a good coach, or was he just a good head coach at some times because he's the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers? I don't know what percentage to say, okay, this percent of success lies on the owner, this percent of success lies on the GM, this percent of success lies on the coach. There, there is enough to go around, no doubt about it. Would you agree with this? Would you agree that the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers is the least consequential head coach in the NFL? No. Really? Who's who's less consequential? Who has more entrenched success and tradition with their organization than the Pittsburgh Steelers? No, no, I go the other way with it. Look at the bad organizations. Doesn't matter who's the head coach. They're going to think Bill Belichick was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns and got fired. You know that that's a great example because Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, right? Would he be successful anywhere? And by the way, he's a very young coach at the time that he was with the Browns, and the Browns were actually not terrible while he was their head coach. So th- this is, you know, a different deal now. But if Bill Belichick was the head coach at a team that wasn't New England and didn't have, you know, Bob Kraft and the, the, the you know, the stability and the great ownership and the everything else that, that supposedly he brings to it, would he be as successful as he's been? Maybe. Maybe not. But all, all I'm saying is, if you have a bad coach or even just an average coach, it can be buoyed a little bit by the organization and the the quality of the organization. But who's been more who's been more stable than the Giants? They go get Ben McAdoo, and it's like dumpster fire that they still haven't gotten out of. You know, and and so 
it it eats everybody rowing the boat, as it were. Yeah, but the, the difference is that the, the Giants went in the tubes when their owner died. The same family still owns the Steelers, right? It's the same family that owns the Giants, too. I mean, Dan Rooney just passed away maybe two years ago for Pittsburgh. Maybe it's going to be was tricky. Maybe it just swirls down just like the... No, I, I, I think you're selling it short. I really do. It's two tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. So we will try and get to, uh, we'll see if we can get Jay Hill perhaps tomorrow. Uh, sounds like uh, the the, pra- the, the the preparation, understandably, Coulter, probably coming before you and me. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where his priorities lie. Well, they got an indoor practice facility so they can go as late as they want. Exactly. Well, I mean, this is great. Would you, hey, on a day like today, would you rather pr- practice inside or outside? I'd rather be outside, man. Well, yeah, but you're not uh, Southern California guy living in Utah. <laughs> well, and you, it, no, no, I'm not talking. I mean, I don't know what it's like, but here it's. It, I mean, it's nice right now in Western Montana. It's mild, enjoyable. You put the pads on. That's what plus seven, eight degrees for sure. You lived in those things longer than I ever did. The uh, it's just going to be so interesting to see the way it impacts football, especially for the schools like Weaver State that pl- that practice indoors and play outside. Because North Coast State practices indoors and plays indoors. They're indoors all the time. University of North Dakota is always indoors. The indoor practice facility, to me, I mean, you're going to play football 200-plus times per year as a college football player, and only 11 of them are guaranteed games on Saturdays. The rest of the time, you're just practicing against your team. Yeah. And it is a gigantic recruiting pitch to be able to go to a kid in San Diego or L.A. and be like, hey, man, you do not have to practice outside in Utah in March, in Bozeman in March, in Missoula in March. But there's been all this talk about Montana, Montana State needing indoor practice facilities. Montana, Montana State are not building indoor arenas. That's not happening. No. The Grizzlies are playing outside. Yes. So... I mean, do you think Bobby Houck wants an indoor practice facility? Because I don't. Absolutely not. Here's what I think. I think Bobby Houck believes he has an indoor practice facility in the Champions Center. It's not an indoor practice facility in the sense of there's an indoor football field that you can go run 11 on 11. But I guarantee that the sales pitch, look, if he was selling the Champions Center in 2004, that never came to fruition until 2017 or whatever. You can guarantee that he's telling every recruit that wants to hear about how cold it is in Montana, don't worry, we're inside all the time, even though they are not. I mean, they and again, they are inside quite a bit. They do do a lot of work inside the, 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 the Champion Center there. It is not a practice facility as such. Yeah, it's just, I just I'm just so interested to see how it impacts football, especially in the in the Big Skies more than any other league. Well, what do you think about Montana State? What they're building on the the end of that thing? I mean, that's just an answer to the Champions Center. They're still far away away from getting an indoor practice facility. Yeah. Okay, it, at least you avoid the parking chaos when the uh, you know. I mean, you, you can, we like make jest of it all the time, and it's like this badge of courage that we're from Montana. And we live here, and it's so cold all the time. Ha 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 ha. So many kids straight straight transfer from, especially Montana State. They straight transfer from. Let Montana me tell you State. something. I can totally, completely relate to them. I don't begrudge them at all. I've been to Arizona in the summer. I've been to the Philippines. You, t- you sent me to the University of the Philippines on a scholarship. I will give that scholarship all the way back and get the heck out of Dodge. 
you're going to have a very cantankerous tutel on your hands. You get the heat and the humidity going. No thank you very much. So I imagine that when they that, that somebody from that sort of climate comes here to, to, to Montana, mm, the feeling is mutual, right? The feeling is mutual. Boys and girls, Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Again, Thursday night football tonight. Coulter, we didn't even make a pick. Steelers with the least consequential head coach in the NFL. <laughs> Find another one. Huh? Find another one. They're all consequential. All of them. But he's the least consequential. No. It's false. Adam Gase. How? How? No, that's not true, though, because the Steelers have had almost, they've had pretty much the same identity for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with the head coach. Yeah, but... Everybody else, every other head coach has put his stamp. The on. remarkability of being able to maintain that consistency when the difference of person that is coming through in 1965 and 2019, that is remarkable. It is, and it has nothing to do with the coach. No, it has everything to do with him. Everything. He actually might have just swung me right there. Browns minus three. Who you got at home? I, I hate the Browns this year. I love that they're sucking and making you seem so wrong. Steelers. Give me the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield, overrated. And Odell Beckham. That's why I'm 2-7 and seven in my fantasy league. Stop crying. Shut up and play, bro. Man, we got salty here at the end. Boys and girls, and I've been salty all day. Have a wonderful Thursday. I certainly will. I don't know about this, man. We'll see you tomorrow. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear... How about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.